1: This is the podcast of a woman named Rad and a man named Paul. Welcome to Game for Anything.
0: Hello, I'm Rad.
1: Hello, I'm Paul. Are
0: we doing this? We shouldn't. We really shouldn't. Today on Game for Anything, Netflix throwback to 2003 as they pull a 50 cent and try to, quote, get rich or die trying, and our cup runneth over with a look at the cultural phenomenon that is the Stanley Cup.
1: Yes, we certainly have opinions.
0: Paul, you like to watch things. You've got peepers. I, you peep-
1: I do. My little my little jellies love looking at stuff.
0: That's disgusting. Um, so <laughs> most people, in fact, I'm going to say uh, 247 million people because that is the number of global subscribers. Watch Netflix, right? It has become pretty much a cultural phenomenon. It is the one that people go to to watch their content nowadays.
1: Yeah, when you think of streamers, Netflix is the de facto adjective you often use.
0: Do you remember back in the day when Netflix started as like a DVD mailing service? They changed the game and they used to mail out DVDs to you. Wait, is that real? Were you ever a part of that? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I signed up for it. (laughs) It was like... They marketed themselves as, like, the video store except to your door kind of thing. I don't think that was their tagline, but it should have been. Like the video store except to your
1: door. That was pretty damn good because, I mean, I worked at video stores for years and I remember when Video Easy, an Australian institution, downscaled from a store to basically a vending machine in every 19th strip mall you were at. Is this kind of like that? Uh
0: No, it was like an online service, and you order the DVDs and they come to you in these cardboard mailers, just the disc. Yeah. yeah. And you would watch them and then mail them back. So you. It was very strange. It didn't last that long.
1: (laughs) I can see why. Well,
0: in this digital era, even though Netflix are absolutely stomping the game when it comes to streaming content, Mm. they have in a true capitalist fashion, continued to try and grow their business or grow their number of subscribers and the amount of money that they can make. It's a tough call when they had what felt like complete market saturation. Mm. We all heard about them uh, introducing a new rule whereby people could not share their accounts. Yeah. They were more tied to one household and you now have to pay $8 to stream it in another household.
1: Yeah, this felt like on uh, videotapes back in the day where it said you couldn't screen it on an oil rig. I'm like, what if I'm on an oil rig and I want to watch... Th-? Do you remember at the start of the disclaimers of all VHS is Like, do not screen this in schools, in public or on oil rigs. For some reason the oil rig was a very specific clause this does feel like they're trying to do the same thing
0: look i simply cannot say that i ever paid attention to any of that copyright information uh, at the start of vhs's in my defense i was a child and probably not that aware of the law yeah. uh but it, it was a big pivot for netflix because previously they lent into the idea that a netflix password was for sharing mm. so in my opinion, they've kind of uh, become a little bit the bad guys in the cultural zeitgeist as they claw for more money. There's been more reports of them, for example, playing actors minimum wage, um, cutting series that were doing well, or that serviced kind of smaller, more niche audiences, um, particularly minority audiences. And now they're making another cheeky chess move, uh, by getting rid of their $11 a month kind of basic subscription plan altogether. So last year in about October, they stopped people from being able to sign up to this plan. And instead you had to either go to the $7 a month plus ads plan Mm. or the $17 a month plan. And now they're planning to roll out Basically nixing that plan altogether, that legacy plan, and forcing people onto either that cheaper ad plan or the, I'm going to say, much more expensive basic plan.
1: So this does feel a bit like what was happening when the video stores I worked at transitioned from VHS to DVD. They stopped getting videos in and they're like, look, you can rent them if you want but we'd really rather you didn't. So we're going to put them way up the back, make them more expensive, and just let them slowly degrade. So this is, as opposed to just a sudden transition, they're trying to kind of... Is it sneaky? Are they doing this on the QT, or are they being pretty open about it?
0: Um, I think they're being pretty open about it. They've uh, they talked about it in their... I'm going to say business meeting. You know how they have quarterly meetings and they oh. do up their little business reports? Yeah. Uh, so this was announced <laughs> in that. Can you tell that I'm not a corporate <laughs> yeah, it's
1: You're bobbing your head from side to side like you're in a costume. <laughs> <laughs> and bombs, I read Stops the document. I
0: don't, I don't know <laughs> what it's for. I think they... I think, like, yeah, they give them to the shareholders.
1: Now you said those that word as two words. The fact that you said it as two words implies that you don't know what a share holder is, nor do I. I have no idea. Stocks and bonds. They
0: they hold the shares. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not sure that 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 specific detail is uh, super important yeah. to the story. Mm. But I don't think that they're being sneaky about it. Really, they are. Shifting their business model, and I think being fairly brazen about it, especially when there has been significant vocal pushback. At the same time, uh, people saying, Hey, Netflix, I absolutely hate the changes that you're implementing, that hasn't stopped their subscriber numbers. Their subscribers continue to increase and they reported a 70% increase in the ad memberships. So those $7 cheap memberships that include ads that yeah. get screened yeah. with ad supported plans making up 40% of signups in the areas that offer those plans. So not everywhere offers these ad supported plans. So. That These ads are something that people really pushed back on when it hmm. got announced. They were like, I'm paying you. Don't make <laughs> me also watch ads. I am used to paying to not watch ads. Yeah. So what are you doing? Uh, but people love stuff just a hair cheaper. So I've, I think that Netflix would probably be making more money this way as well.
1: Oh, that's so frustrating because I swear to God, I'm wondering what the critical kind of that tipping point is where people kind of just jump across to other streaming services but Netflix have so much of the content. I mean my problem with Netflix, Rad, is that they have, I think uh quantity over quality you know, they they create original IPs, they fund a season or two and then axe it if it doesn't become monstrously profitable. There are performers out there having to get side gigs just to kind of pay the rent. It doesn't seem like Netflix are the good guys. It seems like they are in the words of Billie Eilish, the bad guys Duh. <laughs> I really do want to try and figure out whether there is a... Okay, here's a question for you. Is there a more ethical alternative or is every streamer going to be the bad guy from now on?
0: Are we ever looking for, like, big tech companies to be ethical? <laughs> oh, no. Like, I'm... Paul, you sweet summer child.
1: <laughs> Where's the artisanal streamer? Where's the homegrown family? <laughs> uh, you know what that is. That's local theatre. But what is the what's the least repellent streamer right now?
0: I feel like that's... A hard one to answer because content is always king right like you're gonna go to the place that has the shows that you want to watch I think you're right I don't think that for me anyway Netflix is that space anymore I think they have really lent into their original IP they it feels like they have fewer and fewer kind of blockbuster movies or even art house movies that I might want to watch and instead there's like a slew of really poorly produced kind of cooking shows (laughs) on these terrible studio stages that just feel cheap and haphazard. Yeah. There's like 40 of them.
1: The flood of bad true crime. I mean, what they've done is they've just seemingly adopted a what is the cheapest, quickest way to get as much algorithmic content out as possible? Every uh, preview pane on Netflix has three adjectives which are tailored towards your user experience and your tendencies on the platform. And I believe that the images you see on the preview panes are also dictated by what kind of stuff you like. So it's, I am of the belief as someone in the arts that you shouldn't just give people what they want because what people want if you just give it to them for long enough, their tastes sort of degrade. It's important to curate the experience. And Netflix used to have a really tight curatorial vibe, like when Stranger Things was out, when um, uh, Mindhunter, all these really weird art house films, like Velvet, um, what was that thing with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal the art dealer, um, Velvet Buzzsaw, they were just taking, they were taking swings, right? They were making odd films, they were commissioning stuff, they had choose your own adventure content, and now they've just kind of opened the floodgates And as a result, it doesn't feel special anymore. Netflix and chill seems more like Netflix and spend 30 minutes browsing for something you don't really want, (laughs) which is not nearly as catchy.
0: Absolutely. And in an effort to, I suppose, continue to keep people on the line, they're now making another really big shift that they just announced. They're going to move more into airing live sports. (gasps) They just announced a 10-year deal with WWE's Monday Night Raw. It's a five billion dollar US deal. Yeah. And they're just they're gonna stream WWE Monday Night Raw live.
1: Okay. Are you a wrestling guy at all, Rad?
0: Uh no. No. But I know people love it, and that's great.
1: It's a very, very specific wing of the Nerd Mansion and it's basically NASCAR for nerds, and I kind of have dallied, so I understand the appeal somewhat.
0: But this isn't about the appeal of WWE. Like that has existed <laughs> that for a very long time. People yeah. know it, people love it. This is more about it going onto Netflix. Mm. A service that has curated itself as being about TV and movies. It's they've, you know, they've dabbled into games. That was an interesting space for them to go. But it's sort of weird for them to step into a live appointment viewing space. That was. Always like the complete opposite of what they were about. They were about on demand. They were the original on demand service. Yeah, yeah. So are they Are they now just trying to be like cable TV?
1: I don't know because when you walk into a restaurant, if they have 400 dishes, they're not going to do any of those dishes well. But if you walk into a ramen joint in Japan and they make two things, they have eight seats, you go, I know that this is tailored for... I know that you do these very few things extraordinarily well, and Netflix used to feel like that. It felt like they did weird features, interesting IP, and maybe a handful of other stuff. But by rolling in live events, it doesn't have that video store experience anymore. Because at a video store, it's not like there's live entertainment playing. If I went to Blockbuster and there was a, like a band playing in the corner, I'd be confused and irritable. More so than usual.
0: You know what this makes them feel like? Right. All of the free-to-air like, streaming services. Yes. Like I feel like I'm going into 10 play, I have to watch an oh. ad before I get to my piece of content mm. and they've also got like
1: the watermarks, the little animatics and the <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and you've got all your live streaming channels there as well of yeah. 10 Peach or whatever they've got. Mm. That's what Netflix is becoming, which is very funny because <laughs> Uh, now the only thing that will be setting them apart is the fact that their UI is slicker, you know, which is good.
1: Yeah, we all like good design, but the problem is when you're watching the end of an Ingmar Bergman film and the cast of New Girl rock up and turn around and go, oh, hey, coming up next, it's like it kind of sullies the experience (laughs) for me a little bit.
0: Yeah, look, I don't even know if I can talk because I cancelled my Netflix subscription a while ago. I actually, I did the boycott uh, when they started charging for additional users. I was like this does not work for me or my lifestyle. I don't need it and uh, just got out of there. And honestly, I haven't missed it. It's been completely fine.
1: You're a man of principle, right? I've always said that about you.
0: I don't know if that's true at all. I'd sell your soul for a single corn chip.
1: Well, Rad, speaking of late-stage capitalism consuming us all, uh, I want to talk to you today about the Stanley Cup. Do you know what the Stanley Cup is?
0: I'm getting sports vibes. I'm getting not only sports vibes, important sports vibes. Yeah. I feel like it could be one of, like, six sports.
1: Okay. Would do do you care to take I'm, a guess I'm, on I'm,
0: like, I'm getting cricket. <laughs> maybe no. golf. Okay. Or like, car driving. <laughs> one of the car driving ones. <clears throat> but, like, not the Formula One type cars, like the regular
1: regular cars. street cars. Regular street car it racing. It could
0: be tennis. Okay. It could be tennis. Okay. You... Um, or <laughs> wild <gonna> be... <laughs> card rowing.
1: Okay. Look. You are correct in that Stan- the, Stan- the Stanley Cup is an award, an award, a, like a prize given to the winner of, like, it's, it, it's hockey, right? It's a hockey thing. The Stanley Cup is a hockey thing. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I was going to say a ball sport, but actually hockey uses a puck, apparently.
0: Would we not say that golf is just hockey slowed down? You know what? I don't want to receive the hate mail for that
1: one. <laughs> Looking yeah, rarely, rarely. I mean, if I had Perspex screens around the edge of golf courses, do you think players would just beat the <laughs> shit out of each other? Probably not. Those golf pants are very restrictive. But look, the Stanley Cup, notwithstanding, I'm talking about the Stanley Cup as in it's a, okay, There's an engineer called William Stanley Jr. And he patented this uh, metal vacuum flask uh, like 111 years ago. Oh. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about now. The TikTok phenomenon, right? yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. People are deeply in love with this like, I, it's like a flask. It's like a thermos. Yeah, it's a mug. It's a metal mug.
1: It's a f***ing cup. It's a thermos It is so look the thing is the Stanley uh, cup as it's known was actually I mean this vacuum flask was used by World War II pilots and engineers and it's been this rugged outdoorsy Hypermasculine product and it did some digging and it turns out their 1975 tagline was be blunt tell the lady what you want so how this cup transitioned from you know from that to the must-have accessory of women in 2023 is... It's an incredible story.
0: Yeah, I have seen these things all over TikTok and there are people that have literal shelves built into their walls just filled with different editions of this one cup. Yeah. It's no longer a cup, it's a collector's item.
1: It's absolutely incredible. I saw the same video, there was a woman on TikTok who was standing in front of her display. It was like a wall of all the different colored variants, I think fifty different kinds, and she was rattling the names of them off the top of her dome. I mean it was like she it was like that Pokemon rap, you know, she was like Hammerton Tidal Tiger Lily Nectar. And the comments, mostly from young women, are amazing and perhaps proof either that the tide is turning on this cup or that the cool kids are bailing. So I'm going to read a few comments from this video here. Overconsumption is insane. You need help. POV, you're a teacher in Utah taking a roll call. I like that one. (laughs) And uh, one here that says, now name all 50 states. It's like $14,000 worth of cups on this woman's wall. So the question, yeah, like, uh, Rad, you think my Fortnite expenditure is problematic? This is... I mean I was on Stock X and the day after a limited edition cup uh sold out, there was one going on there for twenty nine thousand USD. What? Yeah, this is this Excuse is bananas. Me? Now it, it does lead me into something that Maybe I think
0: become a Stanley Cup uh <laughs> Reseller,
1: Yeah, like a stand stand. Maybe
0: I should spend all my time trying to swipe in on those limited a dish and then sell them off.
1: Look, if you are going to do that, I will give you the primer that will help you ease into this capitalist hellscape with as much much juice as possible. So, back in 1913, this guy walked into this patent office with his attorneys present and filed a patent on a heat-insulated receptacle. And, Rad, I went full nerd, and I went to the patent office website, and I actually read the original patent, looked at the documentation and blueprints... And I'm just going to read it from here. I'm going to read an excerpt from from the patent for you. The common vacuum receptacle has its shells or walls constructed of glass, and accordingly such receptacles are very liable to breakage and cannot withstand hard usage. Moreover, it is found that a very high degree of exhaustion must be maintained in the vacuous space in order to generate sufficient heat insulation to make the devices practicable for ordinary uses. Furthermore, because such receptacles are made of glass, they are limited in size. Whereas if they're huge, they can be taken to Pilates. Basically, this cup has gone from this 1913 practical man's man cup to the, the quencher. So the quencher is the one that everyone's buying. And it took the annual sales of Stanley's, the company that sells these things, from 75 million USD to 750 million USD a year in 2023. And that's because they started marketing it towards women. So basically, Gen Z and millennial women, predominantly white women on TikTok, and the uh, Stanley Tumblr hashtag has been viewed 98 million times uh, so far. It's, it's huge. It's the Lululemon uh, leggings of cups, basically.
0: This is my thing. The world loves to revolve around men, but when you really look at it, it's the minority fan bases yeah. of, I'm going to say, women... And queer women that truly makes the world go round because there is a level of like fanatic Mm. in there that does not seem to be replicated by men for anything other than the Roman Empire.
1: Oh my god, yes. I think the Stanley Cup is the Roman Empire for women. It is truly, (laughs) truly truly taking off like i said before lululemon was the last uh kind of women-centric marketing genius obviously they're controversial but the leggings that lululemon made were marketed in the same way they were have like a wellness attachment they're regarded as very high quality and they're expensive enough to show off a certain lifestyle but unlike the stanley cup you can't drink from them unless you like dip them in water wring them out don't do that
0: that joke sucked
1: well, that's actually how you have to get the water out of the pants. Um, look, I, I read a piece. I read a great piece this morning. <laughs> Just, uh, I read this piece in Salon this morning, uh, Rad, uh, called Why Girls Love Stanley Cups, and it pointed out that the cup as an object is an inherently relatable thing because everyone needs to drink water, right? So it's kind of this, like, you know what I mean? It's an earthy signifier of, well, we all do it, right? So making this basic okay. human right an expensive, exclusive thing is an interesting paradox.
0: I don't know if it's that deep. I think it's just, like, it's it's partly, you know, jumping on trends and... Uh, yeah, that, that human nature of wanting the exclusive thing. Mm. And it's a sharing kind of experience, you know, it, it's like Beanie Babies back when that was a thing. Yeah. It's also just collecting. Like people just love to collect. And I don't think that's exclusive to any kind of person. It's just something sick in our heads. Some people just have it worse than others. <laughs> but at the same time, like I do, I do think it's silly yeah. because... I don't see how anyone needs that many cups. I'm not a collector for stuff like that, I guess. But I do collect. Like, I can't... I don't know that I can poo-poo anyone's uh, silly little love for things other than the absolute excessive nature that it goes to and the fact that it becomes a little bit of a status competition. That's the point where I, I think I go... Well, I don't really know that you're doing this for you anymore. You're doing it to look like a big dog. And that to me seems, it just doesn't, it doesn't have the heart, doesn't have the spirit of a sports movie where they win the Stanley cup, you <laughs> yeah.
1: know? Which, which sport is that again, Ryan? <laughs>
0: uh, it's either golf, rowing, <laughs> Maybe tennis. Actually,
1: Rad, the Stanley Cup is interchangeable. It's like a universal adapter. It works with any sport. It works with any sport. You, you hand the Stanley Cup to any winner of any sport right now. The thing is, actually, on that, Rad, I've seen videos of girls opening them. Remember that classic Nintendo 64 video where that kid opens the 64 on Christmas Day and absolutely loses his shit?
0: No. But I do remember an avocado. <laughs>
1: the reaction of the, of the avocado kid is one nine hundredth of the reactions that young girls are getting to open a, opening like a functional cup but in regards to the collection i actually did some digging because i was curious rad uh, in light of this conversation and on the last episode where i confessed to collecting dolls now basically what i wanted to do is try and figure out why we collect things and there's a consensus on like four broad theories as to why human beings collect things, and I wanted to run them by you if that's okay.
0: Please do. I want to know what makes me tick.
1: Okay. (laughs) So, the first one... Is that psychoanalysts have suggested that unloved children (gasps) seek comfort in accumulating belongings because the the more lovely things they have, the more like those things are proof of their worth. You are holding your chest and gasping. Is this is this (laughs) too close to home?
0: I will not discuss my childhood. (laughs) Next question. (laughs)
1: Okay. Next theory is uh, collecting is motivated by existential anxiety. So basically, you know how. You you know you're going to die one day, and the idea is that even after you die, the things you collected, the curated collection which also speaks to your taste and your curatorial sartorial finesse, will live on long after you're gone.
0: Uh, I feel like maybe that is only applicable to those people that have an entire house full of like Ronald McDonald's or something. <laughs> Wait. I, I feel like that, like,
1: Look, toys that, are people.
0: that's, that's <laughs> the kind of thing that lives on.
1: Right, yeah, but not in a good way. You don't want to find, like, if you've got a, a, a house in Utah which is just full of different skin, you're going to be the skin guy. What you actually want is a, I, be, I was thinking about the Elgin Marbles this morning, so when you get to the British Museum, Rad, the British have stolen huge chunks of the Parthenon, like most of the marble and statue, statuary and whatever, so... The civilization that built this beautiful thing lives on, but they're living on in a context which is rampant theft. So it does become complicated because when you're gone, you don't get to dictate how or where it's displayed or whether anyone sees it or not, right?
0: Okay. Okay, what are, what's number three and four?
1: Okay, number three is uh, peacocking. So basically, you know, when different animals uh, try and attract mates by showing how able they are to accumulate and collect things, right? So look how resourceful I am. I have $700 worth of Funkos. Look how fertile I am. I don't know if this one works. I,
0: I don't agree with that theory. I don't think that at any point truly has collecting been a romantically or sexually attractive feature. Um, I can't think of a single collection that would make anyone i know go oh yeah they seem like a stable partner
1: (laughs) yeah that's the problem rad is that once you take a collection too far it becomes psychotic like four or five incredibly curated uh pieces of taxidermy kind of cool in the right context but if you walk into a room and it's nothing but dead animals and you have to like squeeze sideways to get through them that's that person is not letting you leave
0: well that's how i'm hoping to be Yeah, I know. Okay, number four.
1: Okay, number four. Number four is actually interesting. It's the concept of contagion. So collectors get attracted to objects that are infused with the essence of people who own them. So, for example, Emma Chamberlain got on TikTok and gave the cup an endorsement in the early days. Celebrities, Kardashians, basically trying to get a contact high from the uh, status and the popularity and wanting to be part of the cool crowd. So I think... That probably speaks to the Stanley Cups more than any of these for me.
0: I definitely think so as well. But I think the fifth one that has not been mentioned is the thrill of the hunt. Because for me, that is a lot of what collecting is. But that's not as applicable to this Stanley Cup collecting, I don't think, because it's more just like buying the new release and getting that limited edition it's not trying to find an original 1913 stanley cup
1: that's a great point actually because for me if i was a collector of the stanley cup i'd want the stanley cup i'd want the original patent right i would want to go back in time not forward in time
0: did you know that you can still buy A lava lamp made by the original manufacturers and designers of the lava lamp. They still make them as they did the originals. It's the same, like, original design.
1: See, that's infinitely more appealing to me. I mean, if I drank from it, I'd die because the wax would harden in my body. But it's a a totally different... Uh, itch that it's scratching, definitely.
0: Yeah, it. well, that feels like connection to history, right? Yeah. I actually have one. They are heinously expensive, but they are nice.
1: I've seen it in action. It's beautiful. It looks like a work of art. And you couldn't put hot wax in a Stanley Cup and heat it up because the insulation would ensure that it would never heat up. Thanks, Stanley Cup.
0: <laughs> no, wouldn't it? Make it so that it does It would retain its heat.
1: To that point, there was a video a woman released on TikTok. Uh, Her car uh, burst into flames and burnt to a crisp, and her Stanley Cup was still intact, unscathed, and she rattled it, and there was ice inside. It kept the drink cool. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you heated the cup up on the outside, the insulation would actually keep whatever it was in the inside at the same temperature it was at. For long enough that it wouldn't be worth the effort.
0: I love that I just made you explain the joke.
1: God damn it, I did, didn't I? (laughs) God damn it.
0: But at least it sounds like the Stanley Cup is a very, very well-made product. Like, that has appeal in itself. And if more people are caring about and going for super well-made things that are going to last, even though they're collecting like 50 of them and they probably don't need to, and that does kind of defeat the purpose. uh, Look, I'm into it. I'm into well-made things and I'm into celebrating them. So go on, girly. Get your limited edition Stanley Cup. I saw that Taylor Swift collab.
1: (laughs) And maybe if Netflix had the same approach to their output, uh, as in putting out fewer of them of higher quality, we'd be in a better state in the streaming world as well.
0: Exactly. It's about shifting culture, which is exactly the type of thing that we are trying to do here on Game for Anything. But that is it for this episode. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.